0: We were headed towards the holidays and, you know, where all the adult kids that would be around more. And we had planned, we're like, we need to sit down and have a talk with them. And literally a few days later, um, on cam, doing a cam show and get a text from our daughter who said, I need to talk to you immediately. And I thought, oh, this sounds kind of weird. I finish up my show and I walk out in the hall and, and she's on speaker and I hear the word porn hub And I'm like, holy shit, this is it. This is it's out. I already know this. So go downstairs. And sure enough, a childhood friend of the kids who was now in his, you know, mid 20s, and apparently he screenshot this ad, this banner ad, and texted it to all of the kids. We uh, hung up with her and then turned around, called all the kids, and said yeah i heard you got a text just want to confirm it's true we were planning to tell you blah blah but one uh my son and his wife chose to disown us but also um i'm fi- i'm 56 now and nobody's gonna tell me what i can do it's kind of my time now but first a word from our sponsors welcome to the man podcast <laughs>
1: Happy Halloween, whores! I dressed up as the ultimate man whore, Billy Senior. This is Billy Presida Jr., and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Yeah, I went to my sister's uh, Halloween party on uh, on Saturday, and I I dressed as uh, as Billy Senior. Really, it was an outfit just for my sister. You know, no one else knows who the fuck I was. Everyone's like, what are you? I'm, I'm, I had to say, it's not really important. All that's important is that Morgan recognizes this t-shirt and is like, oh, wait, this is like 1998 Billy Senior. I remember that guy. I even I even shaved clean for that one. And happy birthday to Momo, who uh, my, my sister, who is a she's a Halloween baby. So I guess happy belated. But hey, 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 welcome to the show if you're new, welcome back if you're not. I'm here bringing you sex positive conversations every Wednesday for the last uh, almost 10 years. If, you, uh, if, you're, if you're unfamiliar with the show, if you're unaware, this show started uh, almost a decade ago with me interviewing my exes about why we didn't work out. I've actually uh, I've got another one in the pipeline for later this month. Hey. But now I talk to porn stars, comedians, dating experts, sex educators, musical acts, authors, and more about sex, dating, love, gender. And this week I have got on porn performer and panty seller Ruby Lynn. She's the host of the Granny Panties podcast, and she's got a new book out about making a fortune on selling her used panties. And I can't wait to bring that conversation to you in just a little bit. I, and I promise a little bit that this week's intro is going to be short. I am tired. I keep finding myself in these like like group sexy situations, and uh, I'm just kind of like, what time? It's one a.m. I I kind of want to go to bed. You know what I need? I need afternoon orgying. Maybe that's maybe that's what's that maybe that's what it is. Or maybe Billy, you got to accept like where your sex drive is at, and like what you want emotionally in this world and yeah like maybe your cock is craving more of a connection you should kind of just hold out until you meet someone special and then maybe you'll be ready to connect and be intimate which will probably lead back to all the group sex because that is really fun but maybe you just want to indulge in that with someone who you trust emotionally because you're left reeling from the empty hole in your heart after such a momentous relationship last year yeah that that could be it that could be it I'm adjusting, people. I'm adjusting. Maybe it's finally time to bring on the pegging. Maybe that's maybe that's what I'm I'm waiting for. Maybe that's what I need. Real quickly, everyone, I want to do a fan whore appreciation moment. This is part of the podcast where I like to give a shout out to members of the fan whore community on Patreon. In this economy, it's very important to support independent content creators. Big media institutions may be crashing and burning all around us. But the reason your favorite indies are able to keep going is because of our support from you, the listener. And that's why I'm giving a big shout out right now to Euclid Williams. Hey, man, always love seeing you at the Naked Comedy Show. And I was so happy to see you joining the Patreon community. Welcome to Fanhorn Nation. And I want to say a thank you to Jeff, who just goes by Jeff. And I, I don't really know who you are, but I have a feeling you know who you are. And I hope there's a little smile on your face when you see that $2 plus tax debited from your bank account each month. You're like, "Mm, I did some good with that, though. Yes, you did, Jeff. Yes, you did. I thank you for it. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Thanks for supporting me with not just your downloads, but your dollars. And you, too, can become a member, enjoy a slew of great rewards, and help me buy a slice of pizza today. Inflation, it's crazy at patreon.com slash Podcast, or you can download the Patreon app and find me on there. And the next <laughs> hot movie night is going to be next Thursday, November 9th. So put it down in your calendars, join the Patreon, join us in the Discord server ahead of that, and uh, and come watch porn with us. Shout out to hotmovies.com, promo code MANHOR. I think that still works. Ruby Lynn is on the show this week, everybody. She's an older lady who sells her panties, swings with her man, and makes some porn. I think we can love all of those things, right? We like making money. We like getting laid. We like porn. This one goes out to all the new divorcees who find themselves super horny all of a sudden in their late 30s in their 40s this one goes out to all the women over 50 who still want to feel sexy because god damn it you are sometimes you just need to you know put on some lingerie and and get a ring light set up to to really see it this show is for you so uh, we're going to pay some bills real real quick and then have a chat with ruby lynn
0: what i love the most about the podcast is just really finding out about their story mm-hmm. and how they've evolved especially if i'm interviewing someone who was an iconic star from the 80s 90s you know 2000s just how the industry has evolved for them mm-hmm. and you know whether or not they liked it better then or do they like where it's ended up now
1: yeah what what are you finding
0: i am finding that most of the creators and stars from that era really liked it better then because Mm -hmm. they liked being on set. They liked the connection, um, the flirtatiousness with their, um, you know, uh, co-stars and versus now it's very contractual. So even though it was contractual back then to them, there was just more, emotion and passion into it than there is now
1: it feels like uh people are being a little too efficient these days
0: right right it's a contract you get in you get down you get out you know
1: is that how you do things
0: i would say that my collabs do tend to be more contractual okay um, because i treat this as a business mm-hmm. and yeah i mean it's i We have releases and forms and 2257. So Mm -hmm. it's very narrowed down to what your scene is going to be rather than just walking in and gonzo.
1: Sure. But like, you know, talking to so many, you know, people who were in the biz like so long ago and Mm -hmm. hearing them say they miss that connection and flirtation Mm -hmm. and you take it, you know, the other way. Mm -hmm. So, like, what, how do you feel when you hear these, these stars share that that's the thing they miss?
0: Uh, I, I think that they're right because when I watch movies from that those eras mm. it does seem like they're having a lot more fun mm. you know versus they're acting for the camera and I'm not saying one or the other is bad but I I think I would have loved to have been in that era
1: Well then why don't you take that into your current
0: collapse and I actually am it's funny you mentioned that um about to head out to exotica and i have 11 scenes book to shoot with people and i would say over half of them are more sensual and flirtatious mm. scenes rather than gonzo just getting in there
1: and uh, and how do you how do you arrange that with them
0: it's communication
1: do you say like hey i want to i want to be flirty for the next whatever few weeks until we shoot can you know can we send some text to each other or how do you make that happen
0: Uh, How I've made that happen is really finding out information from them and what their style and what's their personality. And Mm -hmm. I also do research on every creator before I even commit to booking a scene with them. And so I will get an idea for kind of what their style is. And so it's really about uh, getting as much information about that other creator as you can. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to ask a person that only does gonzo scenes, you know, or hardcore scenes to do a soft and sensual scene because mm-hmm. it's just not their style so it's not going to seem natural
1: but even something more hardcore like is there a, a, any element of like i wish i had a little bit of flirtation going on so that way when we do this hardcore fuck scene like it feels a little bit more like this, is like a hardcore fuck i would maybe have if uh, there wasn't a camera here
0: yeah um. Yeah, I mean, there. I actually have one creator I've mm. shot with twice before, also going to shoot with him and his partner Um. while we're out at Exotica. And he is able to switch it back and forth. And mm. so, again, just talking with them about, hey, what do you think? You know, what are your ideas and coming together? Okay, okay. Well,
1: it's a good time to say I'm here right now with Ruby Lynn, uh, host of the Granny Panties podcast. And you've got a new book uh, out uh <laughs> Oh, I got We got it right here, Granny Panties, How I Made a Fortune Selling My Worn Undies. Uh, Ruby Lynn, thanks, and welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. Nice
1: to be uh, literally in bed with you right now. Right. In
0: your- <laughs> <laughs> and you're on my side of the bed, so yes. that's
1: good. Oh, uh, we, Yeah, we are, we are very clothed, but we are both technically, I am in bed with Ruby Lynn. If you're listening and you're jealous, my pants <laughs> are on, though, you should know. Uh, But, you know, that is something where it's like, uh, I don't don't know if like maybe that like adds, that chemistry adds to the content itself. Mm
0: -hmm. Definitely agree that the people that you actually have a connection with, um, I actually shot a scene with a fellow podcaster who had never shot in the industry before. uh, Dick Dangle. He has Dangling After Dark podcast. Okay. And we had met a few, you know, a couple years ago at an Exotica and I was definitely attracted to him. He's a redhead and I have a thing for gingers. So... (laughs) Uh, you know, just over that, like, year and a half, couple years of, you know, kind of a little flirty text and friendship developed. And for AVN last year, I reached out to him because I actually thought he shot content. I once saw him post that he had gotten tested. Uh-huh. Well, I soon found out he had never shot. He had gotten tested before and anything had fell through. And so I'm like, well, then shoot with me. And so we actually did this scene and... I think because of the flirty nature and attractive, you know, attracted to each other, the, that scene was amazing. It After it was edited, was almost 40 minutes. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's like a little bit of flirtation, there's a little bit of like, oh, this person's cute, and, mm-hmm. and you reach out. How did you negotiate what you were going to do, or did you decide to do a little bit more freestyle?
0: So um, he gave me complete license, because he had no experience in shooting, right. um, to kind of Come up with the scene, but again, I knew what his personality and his style. He's right. a, he's uh, you know he's a teddy bear and he's sweet and so hardcore isn't going to be his thing. Right. And so we did a scene where the um, sounds the, like
1: my kind of guy.
0: Yeah, the story podcaster
1: line, not hardcore. Yeah, tell me what to do on the camera, please. Yeah,
0: yeah and
1: sure. into older women. That's <laughs> right.
0: Amazing. And so I came up, or we kind of came up with the scene where. We were at a podcasting convention. So it was it was actually not that far off from what we do in real mm. life. And yeah, it was it turned out really fun. And mm. it started off that he was interviewing me sitting in my room just like you are now. Oh,
1: well <laughs> you know, this could be the, the beginning of something special. There everybody. you go. Uh, yeah, you know, drop drop us a line in the Discord server if y'all are curious to hear about more. Um so so you we were talking outside, you you got into all this like content creation right before covid and is is this something that everyone was like oh covid dropped now how can i make money and y'all just happened to just start it like what you said february 2020 was like in earnest yeah we started making content yeah um (laughs) what was it like like you put your pussy out on the internet and then a month later the world kind of low-key ended what was that like
0: oh so i got really lucky i think real, and covid was good Good to me, good to us. Uh we didn't think it was gonna be, but yes, February first, it was like gonna relaunch this panty selling business. I I wanted money. My my real motivation was money for travel Mm -hmm. because I want to do international travel. It's expensive. I was a social worker, my partner was a mechanic. We don't make we don't make very good money. (laughs) So uh yeah, started off doing the panties, really took it serious treated it like a business from day one. And then the world shuts down like mid end of March or whatever. And I really thought, OK, here it goes. Like the universe is speaking to me. It's now going to fail again. But instead, it just blew up. Um, dudes were ordering panties. I was booked out like six weeks at a time for pantywear They wanted videos. So there was the birth of content creation And, of course, all this time I'm working, uh, you know, eight to five as Mm -hmm. a social worker. And then I started researching about where can I repurpose and sell these clips that I'm making for these guys and, you know, clip store and then got into live webcamming. And it just it went it just went crazy.
1: But what went to that decision to like, okay, I want to travel. We need side income. Some people buy a bunch of stuff in bulk and then sell it on Amazon. Um, You were like, I could. I could sell panties, and I can webcam. Right. Why, why'd you pick that? And also, it, it might be a good time to say it's like you are uh, you are of an age, you're yeah. in your fifties when you started doing this, and
0: absolutely, and you know
1: that that's not normally I think what we think of as the uh, like retirement income plan.
0: Right. I know it's kind of crazy. Um, part of wanting to do the live webcam, um, a couple things. We've been in the swing lifestyle for Mm -hmm. 15 years and the kink was to be watched so what better way they're gonna watch me at home and they're paying me like is this too good to be true and i read this article one day i was doing a bunch of research and it said live webcam couples models make ten thousand a month part-time i'm like hell yeah sign me up and so i started (laughs) researching and the rest is history
1: I mean, tell us a little bit more, because I think we all see those ads. And and frankly, when I see anything say, like, you can make $10,000 mm-hmm. in some amount of period of time, I always think that that's a scam. But right. it sounds it sounds like you actually made that happen.
0: Yeah. You know, it, it took a few sites to find the right home. Uh, you know, originally <clears throat> started camming on the site where we were selling our clips, because they have a live cam mm-hmm. uh, feature. But soon found out that the older, you know... Um, you are it wasn't conducive for that site that site the the girls who were younger and and more voluptuous were making the money so then jump to chatterbait you know which has all different um genres ages the whole thing a lot more i think open Mm. did okay but i also was following people who were webcam models it's you know because if you If you follow or you get that information from those that are making all that money, Mm. you know, that's how you're going to get it. And so somebody I was following on YouTube said, This one uh, campsite is untapped. Like the the money is endless. And so that was a website called Strip Chat. Okay. So we popped on there one night and made more in one hour than we had in a whole month.
1: And there's no hesitation about going from what we would call like quote unquote like normal professional life. To put in that out there, especially at your age,
0: yeah, no, I, I had no qualms about it. Mm. I, I had no issues. I was very confident in my body, even though I am older. I have scars. I have, you know, stretch marks in all those places. I've had kids, but you know, the thing I found that was super refreshing for me as a woman was that there is a fan for everybody out there. Mm-hmm. I was shocked at how well. Uh, we were received or I was received I was I was camming like on my lunch hour you know, <laughs> and it was just it was it really helped my self-confidence
1: mm-hmm. so had you not always been so rocking about your body before you started camming
0: oh no no mm-hmm. I was uh, morbidly obese for most of my life mm. and then when I hit about 38 I lost a significant amount of weight and, you know, as you move into your 50s, some of that finds its way back to your hips and that kind of thing. And and so, yeah, there was definitely times in my life I didn't really feel great about myself. But mm. I think the camming really helped that. Mm-hmm. You'd think it would be the opposite, but it wasn't.
1: No, I I totally connect with that. I, I get, Again, scale is different. But, like, until I started selling nudes like that's when i started becoming confident and Mm -hmm. especially because i i gained weight during covid Mm -hmm. uh and so i was in this like thicker body and i didn't really know how to be in it right (laughs) it's like i don't know how to be sexy in this body and then when i saw that oh i just am sexy in this body too like because there's like a monetary figure now to my body and so like you know, and the the deal I would give myself was like, okay, I can still hate my body if I want to, but I have to respect it because it's paying bills. Right. And so, no, there's a, I totally see it that way. Absolutely.
0: Yep.
1: I think it's the self consciousness that would stop you from posting uh, that type of content.
0: Right. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Do you remember
1: a moment when you first were like, "I'm I'm a hot piece of ass"?
0: <laughs> I don't know about that. Um. I don't know.
1: There wasn't if like there a set or a moment. video that you shot where you looked and were like, "Hot damn!"
0: I hate watching my own content. Really, still, even to this day, oh my gosh, to edit my own stuff is just like, <laughs> oh, can I just hurry up and get through this video? Yeah, but I'm still very self-critical. Mm-hmm. I think that's you know natural. I think most of us are more critical of ourselves than other people. But I will tell you, the moment that I was like, "Holy shit, this is a business," was about mm-hmm. the third month in. And I was like, this could be a serious business. And it was at that point I started to plan my exit from social work.
1: Yeah, and and what was that? What was that moment?
0: uh, The money. Yeah, I mean, what what did you see? Tell me more. Holy cow! Um, you know, when you make in um, you know, one month more than you are at your social work job that you have dual degrees for, and all this, and I'm like. I'm having a hell of a lot more fun getting naked on the internet.
1: (laughs) And did like, you know, we saw so many horror stories during 2020 of, uh, Mm -hmm. people with like, you know, chicks with like a a quote unquote normal day job. And then they get found out that they had Mm -hmm. this on the side and then they lost that. Cause I guess we have too many EMTs in the world. Uh, so, so was there ever a concern about that? Or you said three months in, you're like, I'm going to get out anyway.
0: I was, did anyone from
1: home like find out?
0: Yes. Yes. And, and, um, so I always, I wouldn't say I had that fear they would find out because I kind of believe that things, everything happens for a reason. And so I thought, well, if they do find out and I get fired, that's just going to catapult me into this full time sooner mm-hmm. than I wanted. Uh,
1: like make sure we get the the right press placement. This firing could be awesome.
0: Right, right. <laughs> uh, but n- luckily nobody ever found out uh, and we were outed. So I was well aware that once you put something on the Internet, especially Mm. your naked body, that it's there forever and that you will eventually get outed to whoever it is you don't want to know about this. Mm. And at that point in time, it was our adult kids. And in the fall of 2021, uh, we were about to tell all our kids because we were starting to travel a lot. I had this exit plan. You know, 2022, I really wanted to quit social work. And it was, we were headed towards the holidays and, you know, where all the adult kids would be around more. And we had planned, we're like, we need to sit down and have a talk with them. Not Christmas morning, mind you, but, you know, at some point. And literally a few days later, um, on cam, doing a cam show and get a text from our daughter who said, I need to talk to you immediately. And I thought, oh, this sounds kind of weird. So... To make a long story short, got off cam. Don't make
1: the long story short. Make long story medium.
0: Oh, medium. It's a, well,
1: we're in a, It's a podcast. I it's just, a- you know, I <laughs>
0: thought, this doesn't sound right, you know? Mm. So I was finishing up a private show, sent my partner downstairs to call. I finish up my show, and I walk out in the hall, and, and she's on speaker, and I hear the word porn hub. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is it. This is, it's out. I already know this. So go downstairs. And sure enough, a childhood friend of the kids, who was now in his, you know, mid twenties, mm-hmm. had found an ad on Pornhub for a cam site that we were VIP ambassadors for at this point, wow. and
1: that that means like they use you like maybe in the advertisements? Yes, and stuff?
0: Okay. yeah, yeah, in that um, we actually work for them as cam models and that kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, so I was like, great, and apparently he screenshot this ad this banner ad and text it to all of the kids what a nice guy huh so we uh, hung up with her and then turned around called all the kids and said yeah i heard you got a text just want to confirm it's true we were planning to tell you blah blah and all out of the five all of them but one was supportive and mm-hmm. like we're not shocked i mean you guys have always been you know pretty open Did about they know
1: about your lifestyle
0: uh we never told them they but could, so. i think they probably knew yeah, of- but one uh my son and his wife chose to disown us there had been some um tension with them a little bit in the past mm-hmm. for different reasons and uh they used this you know as the camel or the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back and so We haven't seen our grandkids or them since uh, 2021, about mid-2021, and I grieved it for a long time. And then, actually, I came to terms with it, and uh, at the point in time where I could spin it, and I respect him, Mm. you know, because he's standing in what he believes to be right and true, and basically, that's what we taught our kids, you know, if you believe in something, stand up for it. And so you know, in his head, he feels it's wrong and he's standing his ground and I can only respect him. That's how I raised him.
1: But I got to imagine there's still some pain. There's gotta be pain there.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that will never go away, but also, um, I'm, I'm 56 now and nobody's going to tell me what I can do. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, i've raised good humans i've i've done what i should and it's kind of my time now
1: and that first phone call where you know you walk in and the daughter's on speaker like how did that was that quick and you were like okay i gotta hang up with you and call everyone else or what, what was the what was that call like
0: it was it was more quick i would say oh. um you know it, she was the only one that had the balls enough to actually confront us uh so yeah it was pretty quick uh it just kind of went downhill from there, though. You know, I always felt bad for her because she was kind of in the middle, mm. because she was the most, uh, I guess, brave one that would call. And so, like, then I had a TikTok that you know one of her cousins found out about and messages her. And so, for a few weeks, I felt bad for her because it was like really hammered into her that oh my god, your parents are doing everyone's
1: got to be. Did you hear? Did you? It's like yes, I heard. Yes, I yes. heard. Yes, I heard. Yes, I heard. Yes.
0: So it's it's better now, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that was pretty that was a painful time. That was hard.
1: Well we don't you know we don't usually we normally hear when it's a uh, family doesn't approve. Mm-hmm. It's usually kind of a top-down thing. We normally hear mm-hmm. the parents and grandparents didn't approve of my lifestyle, my sexual orientation, right. what you know, the job I've chosen to do in in porn, uh maybe maybe cousins and stuff, or you know, an aunt and uncle. We don't normally hear kind of from the bottom up, we don't normally hear right. Hi, I'm coming out as doing porn and the kid gets upset or or approved. We don't normally hear about
0: that. Right, right. And so, yeah, it was different. And I guess for me, one of the things is I want to let people our age know that you can heal from that. And, you know, it's common as I've talked to more people Mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. I'm I'm really shocked at the amount of uh, adult content creators whose families have disowned them it's a lot yeah yeah more than the accepting you know like Mm. so very interesting
1: and also at this stage in life you know i had um maybe it was a month or two ago a listener who's like about about your age or maybe a little younger and she's um you know she got also like adult kids right Mm -hmm. or newly adult kids and uh her and her husband are in an open relationship and they were like they want to co- They came out to the kids, and they were really nervous about that. Right. It's like we're going to tell our kids, who are grown ass adults, right. but we're going to go and tell them like, "Hi, your parents are with other people." I think part of it was like, "Well, what if they see us like on one of the apps, right?" Because now, right. But so they came out to say like, "Hey, we're in an open relationship," and they were really nervous about that. They didn't know, you know, because mm-hmm. they're worried about the, you know, what Stigma. if they wanted to disown us? What if they want? What if I lose my baby? Right. Over this, you know, just because they're twenty doesn't mean they're no longer your baby. Right um but you know i'm glad you seem to you know found some peace with that and i'm glad that most of the kids seem accepting of that does it come up in convo at thanksgiving is it uh, or is it kind of like a mom house work and everyone uses vague terminology around it it comes
0: up a little bit mm-hmm. i think mostly when i travel a lot uh you know kind of like Okay, you're going to New York this week. Uh, you're in L. A. next week. Wait, you went to Miami. You know where? I we don't even know where you're at. It's yeah. like where in the world is Waldo? But where in the world is Ruby? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so sometimes it comes up. When I wrote my book, I did tell them that I had wrote a book and released it because I didn't want that to come up. You know, in some conversation. You know, again, like someone sees it or sees an ad for it. And yeah. it's like, oh, your mom wrote a book. Oh, she did? About what? Oh, you know, dirty panties. And <laughs> be like, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. How, how'd you, I mean, like, how would you raise the kids around sexuality?
0: So very open minded. I was the unique mom in our small community who kept the drawer full of condoms for the kids. And the reason is I didn't go to college till I was 41 and uh, went to college. And I actually got two degrees um, from Portland State University go vikings um (laughs) so one was in public health with an emphasis on um, health education and a second degree was in pre-med and my minor was gender and sexualities and i had always been an open-minded person despite being raised in an era that was very close why'd you
1: take the minor I'm not even saying for interest. At 41, you go to school. Like when you're 18, you go to school. I'm gonna take a major. I'll take I'll take a couple minors, whatever. At 41, I'd be like, like I'm trying to get the paper. Like what you know, I don't I don't yeah. think of a 41 year old as having a minor because I feel like the minor is this distraction and extra work they don't want to have to do. So, <laughs> what was what was into that decision?
0: I'm never afraid of extra work. Uh, I just had developed. Um, a passion for like communicable disease, HIV, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And, and because of taking all the public health classes, they you know they expose you to all different sides of public health. And that one just really fascinated me. I had an interest in it. I was in the swing lifestyle mm-hmm. at that point. And so just anything evolving around sexual health, that, that kind of thing really drew me. And because Portland is so diverse, and I lived in a very, I lived like 45 minutes out of Portland, I commuted in every day to go to school. Mm. I didn't live in a diverse community. And so the diversity of Portland, you know, I was really, really drawn to that. And so one of the things, and you talk about how we raised them, one of the fun things during that time is I would come home and around the dinner table, the kids would be like, what'd you learn in school today, mom? So that was kind of fun. (laughs) and you know, I would take these uh, sexual health classes and I'm like, well, today it was all the different words for a penis. So what are all the different words you guys know? And so I got them talking about it. I wanted them to be comfortable in their sexuality, um, in their bodies to know that, you know, this wasn't some taboo thing that happened. Mm -hmm. And so they were raised very open-minded.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Was it like that even before they... Before you went uh, to school, or at that point, were they just too young?
0: They were too young at that okay. point, yeah. So when,
1: when you're going to school, like they're like probably like, they're like in middle school and high school, so yes, it's, okay, yes. And so yeah, you got them having the conversations, exactly. Okay. Any? Did you ever have any uh, like particularly eventful moments of mom? What is this, sir? Or, or mom, I I don't understand that.
0: Yeah, you know, I remember one one conversation. And of course, these always happen around the dinner table because the kids are busy with sports and school. <clears throat> and
1: the, the fact that you got them all around a dinner table. Yeah, it, was, it
0: wasn't easy, but that was one of my one of my rules: no phones, and you had to eat dinner. One t- one day, we had a class, and it was about communicable disease and different diseases, and and how you can pass different um viruses you know to the genitals which you wouldn't even think about mm-hmm. i'm trying trying to keep this clean
1: it's, a, it's the man whore podcast okay. you're welcome to speak freely
0: <laughs> so you know one of the subjects was if you have a wart on your finger mm-hmm. and you finger a female you can transfer general it becomes yeah. genital warts at that point and like that is the information that our you you know youth or teens it's that kind of stuff that they're not getting. They're right. not getting these educations or they aren't parents aren't talking about it. So I wanted to break that cycle and I'm like, we're gonna talk about it and and you know so they'd be like, what did you learn in school today, mom? Let me tell you what I learned. you know if you d- do this act, this could result in mm-hmm. you know X could result in Y. Yeah. And so just that education I wanted to be different in educating my kids.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like they're, uh, they're all healthy sexual beings in this world? now?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Okay. It's is curious about the one, the one son though, who has such a negative reaction, like
0: (laughs) big Trump supporters. So let's just go, go. go. let's just say that. That, And so (laughs) that
1: gives me a good idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I love them and I will always love them. Mm -hmm. And my door is always open. So
1: yeah. Um, you also have uh, you know, mentioned a few times like you and your partner uh are in the lifestyle and you've been swinging for quite quite a while. How'd you how'd you get into that?
0: So that was me. That was all me. <laughs>
1: it's like that was me in <laughs> this very fun haircut. Obviously, it was me.
0: It was me. So I had uh, come out of uh, an abusive 15-year marriage okay. back, you know, in my late 30s. And very sexually repressed like i always call my kids the immaculate conceptions basically Mm. but i have always been a very sexual person and so when i got divorced i really went on spring break for a couple years and and tried new things and discovered these things that i'd only you know heard or read or dreamed about
1: i met a lot of you in college yeah (laughs) yeah i
0: once my therapist once said that you were on spring break for two years. You were not bipolar. So I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I just experienced. Was that
1: a concern of yours?
0: Uh, that I was bipolar?
1: Yeah. Yes. That like all of a sudden I'm feeling super sexual and super yeah. free and want to do stuff. And like this, something must be wrong with me.
0: Yeah. Because then I'd have all these one night stands and I'd get really depressed and, mm. you know. Because
1: this I is, was, com- I, I hear this a lot. Yeah. I think this is a very common thing for women in their like early thirties until whenever someone has their first divorce.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I went crazy. Yeah, and it was a very fun time. I would say maybe my like two best years of my life. But <laughs> but um, where were we?
1: Was we're in how you got into the lifestyle.
0: Oh yeah, the lifestyle. Yeah. So I ex- I tried some things, and I really figured out that I was not a monogamous person, mm-hmm. that I enjoyed having different dynamics and different relationships with people.
1: What are some things you tried that re- led to that realization?
0: Uh, like threesomes. I'd never had a threesome. Uh, yeah. You know, like... I like
1: how you with you withheld threesome. You said, I tried things, and then I'm like, what? And you're like, <laughs>
0: a threesome. Yeah.
1: Oh, no. Oh, threesome. my. A
0: threesome. And a some <sighs> And girls like oh i licked my first pussy and i was and i liked it
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's the remix coming up
0: (laughs) that's right so when i uh found the partner you know that i'm with now i was like there's a few boxes to check Mm -hmm. you know and any anybody i was dating really i would date them and like okay they they have a house they have a job they have a car you know all the basics but then the last box was really how do you feel about a threesome and they'd be like oh i always wanted two women and i'm like no i'm two guys in me and
1: division of labor let's be smart about this guys by the way stop going i want two women you can barely handle one
0: every guy (laughs) wants two women you know this is about me now we're talking about me but yeah, that was one of my factors was that I don't ever want to be cornered into a hundred percent monogamous relationship again. Mm-hmm. And so to to this day, I'm ENM.
1: Yeah, and how and how did you communicate that when you met when, when you met this fella?
0: I just basically, you know, I the question was, how do you feel about a threesome? I mean, because that kind of tiptoes you into, yeah, let's go have an orgy or something yeah, yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was really just finding out what the reaction was because if they're like, ew you know yuck it's like all right see you later okay blocked
1: <laughs> what were some other uh, boxes that had to be checked
0: you know are you do you have a job you know that's good like do you have a an actual job That was important to me. And, you know, just some of the basics. Are they jealous? Like Mm -hmm. jealousy had no place in my life. I, you know, that's, I had just experienced 15 years of not even being able to have a phone call after 4 PM because it could be somebody. It's
1: like you were dealing with jealousy and I'm not even fucking anyone else.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And so I would put every guy I dated to a test about the jealousy thing. Like we would go out to a club and I had worked in the bar scene um at that point in time a little bit so Mm -hmm. i knew a lot of djs and you know bartenders and just people at the club and so we go out and i would basically just be up in the i would just kind of leave them i'd be like oh i'm gonna go say hi to my friends and see how they would react i mean are they all pissed off and feeling butthurt or were they like yeah go i want to see you smile and have fun and so yeah. that's really how I tested jealousy.
1: It's also interesting because, like, 15 ish years ago. So we're talking, like, what, like, an 07, 08 mm-hmm. time period? Mm-hmm. Not in the, th- this is not language that was, like, around. Like, even right. if you're not, you don't like poly, a lot of people know what that is now. People, non monogamy, right. they were like, I know what monogamy is. Yes. Uh, I don't know this non word, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is not stuff people know about. I mean, like, were, are you reading up on this? Are you just, or are you just kind of communicating <laughs> what you think? All this stuff is like, like I, th- I felt the same way. The same year, I just didn't have the language for. it is what I'm saying.
0: Well, I didn't either. I didn't even know what poly was. Yeah. I didn't know the term ENM. Right. I just knew I didn't want to be stuck with the same yeah. person. Um, if if that happened and evolved, great. But I always wanted to have that, uh, es- not escape, but that open door. That hey, if I want to yeah. go sleep with someone or I want to go on a date, that that's there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh and it, I also find it interesting to be, you know, openly non-monogamous and important because you know, there's there's an element of there's some like there's some porn people who like they'll be like I have a boyfriend but we have to pretend I'm single because the the for the fans right mm-hmm. they'll get upset if they know I have a boyfriend but you you have a partner but you're also open relationship and and right. and, and, and for the first type of gal it was well, we want to keep the illusion open that like maybe they have a chance with me you have a partner they still like, but that doesn't take away, f- have to take away exactly. from that fantasy because just because I have a partner doesn't mean someone, I couldn't maybe bang you at a bar.
0: That's right.
1: Um, and so like, how do you feel like being in an open relationship uh, affects your relationship with your fans?
0: I think they, I haven't had any issues with it. You uh-huh. know, they.
1: Do you get any more delusion? Maybe like, uh, wait, 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 there is a chance because yes, she had, but I, she's open.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think definitely I get a ton of that all the time. Like, how can I make a scene with you? Okay. You know, how can I see you? Blah, blah, blah. So I do get that a lot. But, you know, they're, who I am when I'm not working and who I am when I'm working are the same person. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had people ask me that before. You know, is Ruby, does Ruby turn off at 5 p.m. or 8 p.m. or whatever? And no, I, I am Ruby. I love having that, ability to experience different people different personalities because you can't no one person can give you everything you need
1: mm-hmm. yeah and i got that's also the thing in the content creation era so forget the whole people being exclusive or not exclusive pretending there's a person or not i mean now there's this era of well maybe i can make content with you too how do i right. get to shoot a shit because now everyone thinks that they could be a dick for hire uh <laughs> Because now they, now a lot of them know, well, technically I just have to fill out the paperwork, right?
0: Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, I did do a fuck a fan once.
1: Oh, how was that?
0: It was great. And uh, he's ended up to be a really great friend, great person.
1: Okay. Well, then let, let, let's ask the question that apparently you've already been asked a lot <laughs> how does one who is a fan get to become uh, a scene partner in theory?
0: So I big theory but this theory, is, this, right. is like, this is like this like quantum physics.
1: We're talking very theoretical. But like how this happens so how yeah, how does that go?
0: I tell every one of them Get in my top 1%.
1: Okay, so first it's like you better be spending money on me.
0: But, right. So yeah. being in my top 1% means you're subscribing to my only fans and my fan pages. We're doing video chats. Mm. We're do- I'm making custom videos for you. Like you are invested in me. As a person and my content, right? And so, yeah, I always say, get in my top one percent. That, that's
1: just to get me to respond to your message. You better be up
0: there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I respond to all of my fans on my fan site, but right, really, the, the, if you the, want the, the VIP yeah. treatment, where I'm gonna, st- I might see you naked in the same room. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and some and some things could be resentful on that but like what you think you're gonna get in on merit like you if you right. could get in on merit, you'd be doing this already like you'd have a page and
0: right. <laughs> you'd
1: have good stuff on there um that's interesting. so so now wait back with the swinging um like so you you first you were like this is I went off. Had these mm-hmm. one night stands. Okay, I met a, met someone. I'm testing these dudes out. Okay, this one seems to pass some tests. And like, do you remember your first swinger party? Was it was it with him or was it just you went off as a solo gal uh, to a party?
0: Yeah. So I have never done a house party, believe okay. it or not. In all these years, have never went to a private house party. So all of my swinging has been done at clubs. Okay. Or. Uh, you know, once you meet someone, maybe like hotel room or something, yeah. but never at a just generic party at a house.
1: Okay. Never
0: felt comfortable with that.
1: But what about, so So you like the club atmosphere?
0: I do like the club atmosphere, uh, especially for meeting people, you know, for the first time. The reason I avoided house parties, I didn't want to have expectations put on me that because I, I came through the door. And I was there that mm. I was going to fuck somebody. And it's like at a club, it's a little more generic. So yeah. I think the expectations, because people go to a club for all different reasons. It, we
1: are talking about swinger clubs,
0: right? Yeah, okay, swinger, swinger clubs. Yeah, sure. swinger clubs. Um, you know, they might go there just to watch people. That's mm-hmm. their kink, not to participate. You know, and then there are those like me who want to be watched. So we can, we can feed their need for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would I would argue that any house party where mm-hmm. that type of expectation is there isn't that good of a, you know, uh, isn't that good of a play party? Uh, I, I think a good sex party, if it's at, you know, someone's like big loft or mm-hmm. house or whatever, the the culture of it should be. You can come here and just have a great time at a house party, right? Or you can fuck. Um, and I think if you like, that's I think the sign of a really good one where you know you could go and just hang out with your slutty friends and do nothing and <laughs> have a great time. I think that's a sign that that's like a good, a good party.
0: Yeah, and and I think that feeling of being expected—that's on me. Mm. And so I've never been to a house party. Okay.
1: I mean, I hope that changes for you at some point when you find yeah, the, the right right, the right one that, that makes you feel comfortable.
0: The right group.
1: The right group. You know, you ever need a Hacienda invite? Happy to <laughs> extend it. Because the, the play party community I go to, like, that's how I feel. Like, it feels mm-hmm. like it's a big house party. That's cool. Um, where, like, if you just want to dance and hang out and right. see some shit, cool. And if you want to play, you can play. But, you know, there's some of these places where it's just one big room. Yeah. And it's like, if you're not fucking, then it feels like you stand out. Whereas in, like, you know, there's a right. go in the hot tub. We can go in the backyard and hang. We go to the fuck room. Yeah.
0: So
1: <laughs> I, I mean, that's why I did. Because, like, I don't like to have that pressure either.
0: Right. Um, right. You
1: know, I want to be able to go and hang. And if I click. That's that's a fun time. Um, So what was your first swinger club experience like?
0: The first day I ever walked in to a club. So it had just newly opened in Portland. Um, Right when I was single and wanted to explore sex clubs, there was one that had been there forever and Mm. had just closed. And the owner or whoever of that was opening a brand new one. And ironically, it was Ron Jeremy's Club (laughs) Cecil in Portland. Okay. And so we walk in the first day and we didn't do anything. We just we didn't even know what to expect, Mm -hmm. you know, having never been to a club. And so really that first time was just observing, like, what's the atmosphere? What what's this like? And and then I'm kind of voyeuristic myself. So that was a huge turn on just to watch other people live like this is a live porn film (laughs) right in front of me.
1: Yeah, it's like, you. You. I assume you've never seen people fuck that on purpose no, before, right? No, no. So you walk into this room, you see people fucking, like the first thought is like, this is wow, real. Wow,
0: yeah, I couldn't believe it. There was this girl on the dance floor on her knees and guys were just lining up and she was <laughs> she was servicing them. I'm like, what? <laughs> what am I watching right here?
1: And what have I been missing out on all this right, time? Right,
0: exactly.
1: Right? Why did I wait till, if I'm doing math correctly, like late 30s, early 40s? Yeah to get into all this yeah um and then you also said you had eaten pussy during that like wild sim for yes. the first time yeah so can you tell us a little bit about that because again this is a okay we're we're in our late 30s that's usually a little further past when people have who've had curiosities have tried things
0: mm-hmm. yep
1: had you been thinking about women what was it like to how, how did you finally approach how did you connect and what what did it what would it what did it taste like that first time?
0: Yeah, right. Um, so that was interesting again. Um I had a girl that I was going to college with at Portland State and we were in a lot of the same classes and
1: I assume a like, younger woman?
0: Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was actually younger than I was. So I would say probably um early 30s or something. And we discovered that her and her husband were swingers. Uh, and but he never participated. He liked to watch his wife get, you know, have sex with other people. Okay. Well, anyway, to make a long story, you know, we, we talked <laughs> about this and then we end up at the club at the same night. And so I ended up going down on her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was one of my first experience you know, at the club yeah. wise.
1: Were you nervous to, I do was that?
0: nervous because I'm like, I'm not, sh- I hope I know what I'm doing. Like, you know, I've, I've tasted some <laughs> pussy before, but like never like a whole bunch of people watching me. So that was interesting.
1: Okay. And it was like, good. Are, did you get feet? Is she giving you feedback? Are you asking questions? Were you a natural?
0: I think I was a natural. I don't remember her talking much. Just a lot of moaning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a good sign. That's definitely a good sign.
0: <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was interesting.
1: Hmm and uh and, and what do you see you know what what's left on do you have a do you have a list do you have a bucket list Do you have things you still want to try experiment with uh get up to
0: yeah i mean i've never had a real orgy okay you know or gangbang oh. so i've had an orgy i would say that as i told like you outside eight, i've written
1: 2400 words apparently on this like situation.
0: eight people but i had an eight people dog pile Those you are know fun. thing once that's um, an orgy that's hundred that's percent orgy yeah But the gangbang, no, Hmm. I haven't. And actually, that's one of my biggest fantasies. Mm -hmm. But I figure, you know, now I got to film it.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask. Like, if you do finally do it, might as well.
0: So it's still, I figure, like, you know, in a year or two. Maybe I'll do that. I'll orchestrate that.
1: Now, because of of the work I have to ask. So when you say in a year or two, like, is that a personal feeling or is that kind of like a business decision just like when some girls go like i'm gonna uh, i i gotta wait to do my first anal you know you don't you don't start with your first anal right it's like cause right. you gotta reveal is that you saying i think my career that'll make sense then Yes. or is- okay yes so you're like i really would love to do a gangbang tomorrow night but um i feel like it would be wiser if i wait <laughs>
0: right <laughs> poor you well i might do it but i'm not gonna film it you Good. know yeah yeah yeah. but yeah like my first <laughs> anal scene i ever have um you know i'm gonna wait for that because you're right like what are you gonna top after you have a gig bang and anal you know yeah.
1: my first <laughs> loving sensual slow scene makeout. that's i want to see someone try to pull that off as right a, right it's a big reveal
0: and there um there's a uh s- producer director studio owner that his brand is only anal and okay. i've had him on my podcast and i told him like when i'm ready to do my big dp anal mm. scene i'm going to i'll come shoot for you <laughs>
1: okay and you know because you know you you shoot you also you shoot with your partner beyond the ca- the camming or only the camming
0: so yeah no i shoot with my partner but i also shoot with other right. male and female creators how
1: do you decide which sex is for you and which goes on camera
0: Um, you know, there's not a lot of difference Mm -hmm. in that with, you know, my regular partner. Because, like I said, I'm the same person day or night, you know, in front of or behind the camera either way. Okay. So sometimes it's just like, do I want to light the camera up or do I not?
1: Well, I know you have a lot of uh, uh, scenes coming up for while you're out here for Exotica. So I I hope those are fun. I hope. uh they they they're nice and fulfilling and most importantly good sellers right? yes
0: exactly <laughs> yeah i'm excited i'm working with some creators i haven't ever worked with before mm-hmm. and i'm working with some that i have shot with so yeah it's gonna be fun i'm excited
1: fantastic and uh and, and tell us a little bit about you got the book coming out granny panties how i made a fortune selling my worn undies um Just tell us a little bit about the book and uh, what people could expect from from snagging it.
0: Yeah. So the book came out in September and I wrote it. It's part memoir, part how-to, and part don't make the same mistakes I did. Okay. (laughs) And so it just talks about how um, I got into the adult industry at age 53, you know, that progression of selling the panties to shooting for a studio within a year of doing that. Um, that was exciting. But really, I wanted to, to help women and empower them that at any age, you can be sexy, mm-hmm. that you're desirable. Dudes want your underwear and, you know, anything else that goes along with it. And don't, you know, I had fun. I, I hope you laugh on some of the stuff that I, you know, tried exploring fetishes and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing.
1: And I'll ask, I'll ask one th- th- for you to reveal one thing from the book you share. What, what's one mistake you made when you started?
0: Oh, gosh. One mistake was charging too little
1: mm-hmm.
0: for the panties, for the content. That kind of thing. I go back and um, my profile is still on the original panty site. I didn't ever take it down, and I look, I look back then, and I sold like threesome scene for like ten dollars. I'm like, what? I sell that for forty plus now. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely didn't charge enough in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that was one mistake.
1: I would apply that to like all the sex work too, like all, like anything. I have I have escort friends who like. There's been multiple women I've dated briefly where I've like, I had to tell them they need to charge more. Mm-hmm. Cause, like, frankly, like, if, cause like, look, if I'm gonna date a whore, I wanna date a great whore. I want someone who's like <laughs> really good. I'm not going like, Lucy, you can't charge $200. You're too right. hot. You're too good. You gotta get, now it's charged $700 and sends me selfies with like stacks of money. I'm like, That's thank, awesome. Thank you for loving yourself. I was like, value yourself. Damn.
0: Right. Right.
1: <laughs> me, I like to think I value myself just the right amount. My OnlyFans page is free. Uh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, that was a mistake I made. And uh, other than that, you know, just it might just have been different things, you know, shipping, how to ship things, that kind of thing. And I do outline that all in the book. Of you know what do you really need to start doing this and what can you do without?
1: Yeah. So. Well, uh, Ruby Lynn, thanks uh, so much for, for chatting with us. Uh, where can people go to find you, follow you, get the book, and check out your podcast?
0: Thank you for having me. Yeah, you can go to Ruby Lynn Links. That's R U B Y L Y N N E and you will find all things Ruby. The link to my VIP fan site. You can buy the book from that link.
1: Your socials, Everything. socials, you got it. Fantastic. Well, Ruby, thanks a lot for uh, for coming on, and I hope you have a great Exotica. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Thank
0: you so much. I so appreciate everybody listening, and thanks for having me.
1: And I hope that big guy doesn't beat me up. Okay, no, it's, he <laughs> seems very nice. Seems very nice, but he's good to have around if you want to scare somebody. Okay? <laughs> The best place to share your thoughts on this week's show is in the episode discussion channel in the Champagne Room. Uh, A user recently posted like, wow, you know, I always thought the Champagne Room, oh, you had to pay to get in. No, the Champagne Room, totally free. The Champagne Room used to be a a member, a patron only Facebook group, a secret Facebook group uh, that you did have to pay to get in. But now we're on Discord and it is completely free to join us in there. Introduce yourself today at manhorpodcom slash discord, or click the link, you know where it is, up in them schnotes. Get your two fingers just nice up in the schnotes, and you know, whether you're in a dude's butt or uh, a pussy, just, you, you curl the fingers a little bit, give a little tickle, and um, get those schnotes start to feel really, really good. <laughs> um, you can always share your, uh, your comments, your questions, your criticisms, your titty pictures uh, via email, at manwhorepod at gmail.com you may just hear your email on the show i don't always plug it but if you want a way to shop for books more ethically and support your favorite whore boy bookshop.org is the place for you it's bookshop.org slash shop slash billy or just click the link in the schnotes but when you make a purchase from bookshop.org, they guarantee that it will come from an independent bookstore. And we love independent here at the Manhor Podcast because the Manhor Podcast is independent. And so when you buy at bookshop.org, you're supporting an indie bookstore. And then I get a little taste of that. And then you're also supporting an indie podcaster. And you're sticking it to Amazon in the process. Yeah. So uh, that link, it's in the show notes. I've also got some lists already set up uh, with books from all of the Man whore podcast guests you have heard. And of course, the most direct way you can support my work, the only way you can receive exclusive bonus content is on my Patreon. Become a member today. Support the pod you love at patreon.com slash Or you can download the Patreon app and you can find me on there. Now, uh, I gotta go check to see what that text message is about. I think it's from the New York Jets. You know, probably saying something about, like, oh my God, we beat the Giants. Isn't that cool? And I'll be like, yeah, but like, we got no O line left. Everybody's injured. I'm taking these last 12 seconds of the show for me and my sports ball. If anyone's gonna be at Monday Night Football at Jet Life Stadium, let me know. Maybe we can have a $31 beer together. Stay slutty.